This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. 17 of you are having a great morning. Uh, That's good. Hey, listen, listen, I promise it'll only get better from this moment on. So it's okay. It's okay if you're not having a good morning. I'm having a great morning. I drank about 17 cups of coffee this morning. And so I'm kind of ready to go. And so I hope that you're ready to jump onto this ride with me today. I believe that today is gonna be an incredible day. And in fact, I just wanna say something about the, the Christmas caroling in the bars because it's one of those, those outreaches that absolutely impacts our community. Um, this week, I actually had a bar that we've gone to for the last three years call me up and say, hey, are you guys coming again to do carols? Because we just wanna be prepared for y'all when you come. And so I think it's amazing that, that people are preparing for us like to come to their bars to bring hope to people. Like that is an amazing thing when like the world is like, hey, we want you to come and bring hope and joy and peace. And so I wanna encourage you to come and be a part of that. It will blow your mind. There's nothing like walking in and singing to drunk people. It doesn't matter how bad you sing, they think you're good. And so it's like one of those places that's really encouraging for me. So if you're like me and you can't hold a tune, this is your opportunity to shine. Um, Side note. So anyways, hey, we've been in this series called Let Hope In over the last couple of weeks. And we've been talking about the fact that all of us have some hopes. We all have some dreams. And this time of a year is a great time for us to reflect back and look back and see all the things that we've accomplished. But yet at the same point, to start to dream about our future. And what is 2014 gonna look like? And how are we gonna have the best possible year that we're ever gonna have? But a lot of times in looking at that, we realize that some of the reasons we do not continue to move forward and meet the dreams and the desires and the goals that we have is there are some things from our past that are holding us back. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a couple of choices that we're gonna have to make in our lives if we're gonna truly see our dreams and our goals and the vision that God has for our lives fulfilled. And so the first week we dove in and we talked about the first choice and that choice is, is we have to choose to transform our pain or we're gonna end up transferring it. We've got to learn to to transform that pain. And the way that we do that is by giving that thing over to God because a lot of us, we've had hurts. We've had things that have been done to us. We've done things that are hindering our lives from being all that we want it to be. It's why we set out every year with some ideas of what this year is gonna look like and we start start moving down that path and all of a sudden we hit something in our lives that keeps us from taking that next step because we're like, man, if I take that step, the last time I did that, this happened and therefore we never move forward into what God has for us. And we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, our past is not our past if it's still impacting our present. It's been the overarching theme of this because so many times we think, oh, that's just in the past. That's just, that's behind me at this point. But if those things are still impacting today, man, it's keeping us from living the life that all of us so desire to have. And then last week we talked about the choice that all of us have to make of of making this decision that it's okay to not be okay. You know, unfortunately, one of the the obvious faults of, of Christianity or the church is that a lot of times we come in and we think that we've got to put it all together. We've got to have all of our ducks in a row before we can ever come to Jesus. And and unfortunately, we come in here and we fake it 
and, and we never really understand that if until we get real, until we get authentic, until we get to a place where we can say, this is where I am in life, this is my current reality, and we can confess that, that we can ever start to build off of that. A lot of us, we've been, we've been confessing that we're something totally different and that we're this and we're that and, and we've never faced the reality that there's hurt and there's pain in our lives and, and that that hurt and that pain has to be dealt with and we need to talk about that. We need to talk about that with God and say, you know what, God, I'm not okay right now. I need some help in this area. We need to talk to some other people about the fact that we need some help in those areas and that's why James tells us, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. Not just sins that you've done, but I think it's things that have been done to you as well. That when that confession goes forward, all of a sudden there's a transformation, there's a freedom that we find in our lives when we go and we make that choice to say, man, it's okay to not be okay. And I think it's so important because it it gets us to this pivotal place in our lives because for a lot of us, even when we confessed that last week, the the, the realities of our past seem to still haunt us to some degree, even though we've made that the confession. There is a freedom that comes from it, but yet in the back of our minds, it's always kind of still there. We're like, oh man, when is this gonna come up? And for some reason, I don't know if it's just within the depths of us that we have this tendency to constantly relive those memories, the memories of the pain, the memories of the hurt, and we're constantly drawing back on those things. And for some reason, because we do that, we miss out on, on the love that we so desire. We miss out because of the fear that those things that have happened to us impact us in and keep us from becoming what God wants us to do. And, and for some reason, the dreams that we have just continue to elude us over and over and over again. And, and I think that there's some reasons for that. You know, this week I was out uh, at, at a store and I was watching these kids uh, I was at a Starbucks and right next to the Starbucks in the promenade is this like store where kids go in and they buy a lot of stuff after school. And I was watching all these kids go in there and kids were walking out and, and I was listening to these two younger kids and they were like, man, if I can just get that thing, I don't even remember what that thing was, but I just remember this, this girl was talking to another girl. She's like, if I could just get that, then my life would be amazing. Like, and she was like, like, I don't even know what it was. I don't know if it was like a backpack or a pair of shoes. Like she thought that if she could just get this one gift, if she could just receive this one thing, that it would totally transform her life. And, and kids are like that. They want a lot of stuff. They want a new pair of shoes. They think, man, if I get those shoes, then I'll be cool. They want that uh, ability in sports. They think if they have that, then that will solve everything. And, and, and what they really want more than anything else isn't shoes, it isn't an ability. What they really want is they want acceptance. They do. I mean, I, I actually think they, they want a couple of things. They want acceptance. They want they want people to appreciate them. They want attention. They want affection. They want what I like to call the four A's of life. And I don't think it's just other kids. I think all of us are ingrained that way. As kids, we all wanted those things. We all wanted attention. We all wanted acceptance. We all wanted affection. We all wanted appreciation in life. And so we sought after those things. And if, if you're a parent out there, every, every kid that you have wants those four things. And so you see it happen all the time. Kids that, that don't get that or get more of that, there's things that happen to them. You know, kids that have uh, unfulfilled expectations or unfulfilled desires that aren't met in their lives or they're not up to that level, what happens is, is those things become exaggerated later. 
I'll think about it in my life. And, and, and I can trace it down from, from my mom and, and from her life. And, and it's so funny how the patterns just kind of go. But, but my mom was kind of never, she was never really loved by her parents. She was a twin and her sister got all the attention, got all the affection, got everything that she wanted in life. And so her desire to gain that acceptance and that approval and that attention from her parents drove her to accomplish, 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 accomplish. And because she did that and that was her lifestyle, she was trying to get those approvals, she threw herself and it got exaggerated in her life. And so what happened as I was a kid is that because she was so focused on that, she neglected our relationship. And because she neglected our relationship, you know what I've wanted to do my entire life? I've wanted to work really hard to get acceptance, approval, attention. And it gets exaggerated in all of our lives. And if you were to look back on your life, you would see areas where, where something was lacking or it was overcompensated for. Maybe, maybe because you didn't spend enough time, you thought you would buy your kids and buy them lots of gifts and stuff. And so instead of having this natural love and for you, it's exaggerated because they want stuff from you. And because we end up with that in our lives, all of those emotions, all of those lacks, they get projected on our heavenly father which kind of leads us to our third choice um, here today. And that choice is this, was we have to choose to trust rather than please. We have to choose to trust rather than please because for a lot of us, once we get to this place, there's, there's two distinct paths that we have to take in Christianity. The first path is, is, a, is a pretty normal path that, that most of us choose to take and it's this path of choosing, of trying to please God. Well, we go and please God and where we're working on our sin because here's the reality, all of us have sin, all of us have jacked up lives, all of us have messed up lives. If you don't, you're lying. And that's your sin. And so like, like we're, all, we're all in this category. We're all sinners. The Bible tells us we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. And so we're all lumped in that category. And because there is sin in our lives, uh, we think that in order to achieve an intimate relationship with God, to have fellowship with God, man, I've just got to work on my sin. Man, I've got to work these things out. I've got to sell out. I've got to fire up. I've got to shape up. Man, I've got to get everything all together. And as I do that, then everything will good will be good. But what happens is over time, if we choose this path, we end up cynical. We end up angry. We end up desperate because we know that for some reason we can never seem to achieve being sinless. I don't know if anybody else has ever tried to like fix all of their problems, but how is that working out so far on my own? It doesn't work real well. And what happens in, in a lot of circles of Christianity is we focus on sin management. Like I'm gonna manage my sin and I'm gonna try to just get better every single day. And, and in essence, what we're really talking about is we're just gonna have behavior modification. Like if I can modify my behavior, then God will be happy with my life and then I'll be good. But the problem is, is that Jesus never came to this earth to modify our behavior. He came to this earth to change our hearts. And so that, that's the big downside to this. It's the why behind the what. He doesn't care. I, I think God is less concerned, concerned about what we're doing. He's more concerned about why we're doing it. 
What is the heart behind the things that are going on? Why are we stumbling in this area over and over and over again? And until, until we figure out the why, we'll never solve the what. The second path that is, is a less likely or chosen path is the path of trusting God, where we're trusting God with our sin. And, and this is a little bit different because this is simply living out who God says that we are, and, and, and so there's this path of, of, of pleasing God where we're trying to do all these things, where we're trying to manage our sin, and then there's this other path that's over here that's all about trusting God where it says, man, God, I'm gonna trust who you say I am even though I don't necessarily see it at this moment, and the Bible talks about these two paths so many times over and over and over again. In fact, in Hebrews eleven six it says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you see the two paths in that verse? It's very clear. It, it talks about, hey, if you wanna please God, there, there's only one way to please God, and that's through faith, which is also called trust. And see, what he's saying is he's saying, listen, listen, there's really only one way to please God, and that's by trusting him. And so only in trusting him do you end up pleasing him. But if you try to please him, you're relying on yourself, you're relying on your ability, and there's no trust involved in that aspect of life. And that's so different than, than what we're doing because for all this time that we think about this road of trusting, well, that's not very heroic. That doesn't take a lot of effort on my part. I mean, that doesn't make sense because I have all these self-help books that say, I've got to do this and I've got to do that and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. But yet over here, it, it, like this just makes sense that I just do stuff and, and God's saying like, I need to trust him. Like that doesn't make, like that doesn't comprehend with our day and age and our mentality and what's happening. And it seems like this would make more, so much more sense. But the problem with this, this is all based on my striving, my ability, my desire. But the problem is, is it's all about me. See, and trusting on the flip side is all about God. And the whole thing about this following Christ is, is that the reality is, is we're dying to me so we can become like him. And see, when we become like him, all of a sudden, we begin to please. And so we see Pleasing God is really a byproduct of trusting him. And I know that in saying that, it seems like, man, that would be a no-brainer to pick that path. Like that, now that you just, hopefully now that I just explained that, it all makes sense and you're like, lights go, like I'm just gonna do that. But for some reason, our natural inclination is just to go back to, to, man, I need attention, I need acceptance, I need people to give me affection, I need appreciation, and these things are all normally attained through my effort. And because this doesn't seem like it takes a lot of my effort, we always go back to path one of like, God, I'm gonna try to attain you being pleased with my life. 
And, you know, we're not the first people to deal with this. I mean, if you were to look all throughout the New Testament, I mean, this is one of the major spiritual issues that Paul addresses all throughout the church. If you guys want to turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, we're going to be hanging out there for a little bit. And I think that this is so important for us. And I know that this is a little bit deeper and this is a little bit more spiritual than normal. But I think that we're making a lot of the same mistakes as the early church made. And, and if, we can, if we can remedy some of our thought processes, if we can recognize some of the ways of our thinking and doing and start to recognize that there's a trust involved that we need to embrace, then we can truly become and, and, and see and realize everything that God sees for your life and he sees for my life in doing this. And so they, they were wrestling with this concept. They were struggling with this concept. And Paul is addressing the early church. And so I wanna kind of give you a background. Basically the Jewish people um, where, you know, they grew up with the law and the rules and the regulations. And what's happening is Paul is going out and he's reaching the Gentiles, which are a different people group. They don't have any of the same original morals and values and rules that the Jewish people had. And so what basically is happening is there's this argument that's going on between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians of like, what rules do we really have to follow? Like, what is imperative that we have to do in order to, to be safe, in order to follow Christ? And, and what is it? And really at the heart of it is, is this question is, is, of this is, is it the truth of the gospel or is it the rules and the regulations that's going to bring me to heaven? And I think we're, we struggle a lot of times with those same exact questions here today. And so they've, they, the early Jewish people had kind of created this equation that I think we use a lot today. And it's this idea that more right behavior plus less wrong behavior equals godliness. I mean, that's a pretty true equation, what we think about, right? Like if I do more good and less bad, then I'm godly. Am I the only one that thinks in this equation? Like most of us think that's exactly what we think. This, this is what church, you just summed up church right there. Like that has been the perception. Like the more good that I do, the more right behavior plus less wrong behavior, I'm godly. And this, this theology, unfortunately, sets us up for a pretty significant problem. I mean, it really, really messes us up because uh, at the end of the day, this formula traps us in this idea of pleasing God. Man, I gotta do more right and less wrong. And what do you know about that is that we always fail in that. And when we do succeed, here's the flip side of it. We become arrogant and prideful. And we look down and we judge other people who aren't as good as we are. And here's what Paul is saying in the second chapter of Galatians, verses 15 through 18. He says this, we Jews know that we know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Can't read today. We Jews know that we have no advantage of birth over non-Jewish sinners. Um, I love how they, they always like hated on anybody that wasn't Jewish and called them sinners. So um, we know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus. They said, how do we know that? And it should be the same for us. How do we know this? Because it says, we tried it. We had the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Convinced that no human can, can please God by self-improvement. We believe in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting 
in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. They said, listen, we tried to keep all the rules and you know, God made it really simple. He started out with 10, we couldn't keep those. So he added some more for us and we jacked those up. And because we jacked those up, we added about 600 more and we still screwed those up. So we're pretty sure that we can't keep some rules. Like, like, and they weren't hard rules. They were like normal rules. Like, can my wife still be my wife? Like, that's not a hard rule. Will you tell me the truth? Like, that's not a hard rule. But we struggled in those things. Like, hey, can you take a day off and rest? No, we're workaholics. You're like, we, like we struggle with basic rules. And he says, have some of you noticed that we are not yet perfect? Anybody notice that? Anybody look to your left, look to your right? Have you noticed that we're not yet perfect, okay? Are you ready to make the accusation that since people like me who go through Christ in order to get things right with God aren't virtually, or aren't perfectly virtuous, Christ must therefore be an accessory to sin. The accusation is frivolous. This is what he says. He says, if I was trying to be good, I would be rebuilding the same old barn that I tore down. I'd be acting as a charlatan. For some of us out there, our entire life as a Christ follower has been about rebuilding barns that we tore down. Actually, that God tore down. It's been like, man, I've got to get this thing correct. Man, I've got to fix this situation. And pleasing God, for a lot of us, has become our primary motivation. Man, and it's killing us. And it's keeping us from really understanding what God is all about. And, and when we move our motivation from pleasing God to trusting God, our focus then becomes on living out who God really, truly says, I am. I think the reason people quit church is because they strive to please God. And over time, you realize that it's impossible and when you realize that it's impossible to do on your own power, the logical solution is to give up. But here's the good news of the gospel. As a, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, we've been given a new heart. We've been given a new life. We've been given a new opportunity. And, and here's the deal. We're changed on the inside. It's just now our opportunity to mature into that change that God's already created. And it's the part that a lot of us don't like because maturity takes us growing up and learning how to do some things that we've never done before. But it's based out of who God says that we are, not based on how good I can become. Because if I continue to base my life on how good that I can become, I'm always going to fail rather than trusting in who God says that I am. And Paul, jumping ahead to chapter six, dives into this and he says, those who are trying to force you to become circumcised will want to look good to others. In essence, what he was saying is he's saying, listen, what people want you to do is they want you to fix all the outside stuff to look this certain way. And what circumcision was basically doing is it was growing the, the church with a lot of women because none of the men wanted to convert, okay? Like that's not something like guys were like, hey, that's great for you spouse, but I'm not really into all that cutting foreskins and stuff. And like, that's just not cool. And so um, it was the optional meg medical procedure there to uh, identify that you were with God, which is kind of weird to me. I still haven't figured that one out. So anyways, um, 
it goes on, it says, they don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. Even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except for the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. Paul is saying right here, he's saying, listen, listen guys, can you see the central issue here? It's not about a list of rules. It's not about a list of regulations. It's not about getting your life, all of that stuff. It's not about achieving godliness through striving, through your own strength and your own power and your own ability. It's not about that at all because you are no match against sin. Like we are no match against sin. It doesn't matter if you work a lot harder. It doesn't matter if you do a little bit more, you're always gonna fail. The central issue in everything is what is God doing in you? What counts is, is the inward transformation that's taking place in our lives that he alone can do in our hearts. And this is what will happen. As we transform on the inside, the outside's gonna reflect that. What a lot of us have tried to do is we've tried to make the outside reflected with having absolutely no change whatsoever in our hearts. And we fail. And I don't know if you guys are like me, but the temptation for me is, is I often think, man, I'm like one or two or three issues away from, from God doing something amazing in my life. Like if I can just solve these three issues, and, and they're pretty much the same for me all the time. They're pride, insecurity, and more than anything else, discipline. Like, I, I think to myself, man, if I can get these three down. Like, and the pride and the insecurity, like, they go hand in hand. So, like, I get prideful, then I become insecure, and I become insecure, so I become prideful. And, like, I can't solve that. Like, I just go in this big circle over and over and over again. And then I'm like, if I'll just get more disciplined, and I throw that in. There, and it's like this nasty cycle that I just go through over and over and over and over again. And I try to solve those issues, but here's what I've come to the conclusion of. I will never solve those issues. I will never solve those issues because the intention not to sin is not the same as the power not to sin. The intention not to sin is not the same as the power not to sin. And, and in fact, I hope that you don't ever solve your problems either. I really do. I hope that you never do it because the goal of spiritual maturity is not to get your stuff all solved because you never will. The goal of spiritual maturity is to learn to depend solely and completely on Jesus Christ. And it's your dependence on him, it's your trust in him, that as you depend on that, as you trust in that, all of a sudden it's gonna start to deal with your stuff. And as you do that, you're not gonna really know God's power until you let go of your power, which is really no power at all. And when we let go of it and we put trust in him, we get his power, which I don't know if you recognize this or not, but his power defeated death in the grave and sin. Our power has been subjected to sin all of our life. Let's think about it like this. Let me kind of move it a little bit. All of us that have trusted Christ, we will have sin issues. I mean, we, we will. That's, that's a reality. Um, and we always have the identity that God gave us. These are constant, unchanging realities. But we have two choices. 
we, we can strive with pleasing God where we're working on our sin issues. That can be greater. Or we can trust God and trust him with our sin. That can be greater. Like those are all of our choices. Those are the only two choices we get. We can try to please or we can choose to trust. And if we choose to try to please, we'll always end up longing for something more because it never seems to happen. But if you opt for the bottom, if you opt for trusting, you will end up pleasing God in the process. The one leads to nothing, the other one leads to both. Do you see why trusting is so important? Why it's so much more important than trying to please? Because if we're gonna, if we're gonna really resolve our sin issues, it's all gonna come from the fact that we're gonna trust God with our sin because God did not design us to conquer our sin. He designed us to trust him with our sin. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That, that word lean means don't, don't put your trust into what you can, don't put yourself onto something that is gonna fail you because your knowledge, your idea, your concept of how you're gonna fix your life is always gonna mess you up. That's why he says, don't lean on your thoughts. Don't lean on your ideas. Don't put your, your fate on that because that thing is always going to fail you. And one of the biggest problems in our faith of Christianity is we see sin as this gigantic cavern between us and God. I mean, that's what a lot of us do. And so what happens is, is, is because this is a misconception to us, a lot of us, we have this idea that God loves us but we also believe that at the same point, he's pretty disappointed in us because we know he says that he loves us, but he's looking at our lives and he sees all that sin. And he's like, oh man, they, they screwed that up. And, it, and, and like, he's like a dad that's sitting there disappointed among us. And there's an illustration that's been used hundreds of times. I've used it and, 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 and God really was revealing something to me. We, there's an illustration that talks about how we're on one side of this cavern and on the other side is God. And in between that cavern is this distance, there's this gap. And, and the idea is, is that, man, what's separating us is sin. And, and, and so we're trying to have an intimate relationship with God, but, but sin is, is distancing us. And we think, man, if I get saved, then like, man, if I can just get better, then I can close that gap. Isn't that what we all think? Like, I can close the gap by getting better. It goes back to the equation, more right living plus more, less wrong living equals godliness, right? And so we're trying to close that gap. But here's the problem. We are adding to that gap every day. Because that guy that cut me off this morning, TJ sinned. Like I added to it. I, I expanded it a little bit. You see the problem with that, that concept of like this is always, always, gapping us, it, this is true if you don't know Jesus. 
This is reality. But if you do know Jesus, the reality is, is that when you go and you take ownership of your sin, all of a sudden that gap, that sin, that cavern is behind you and you're on the same side as God. And you say, God, because of Jesus, you've covered my sin. I'm now in right relationship with you. I don't have to do anything to please you as far as I gotta get this right, I gotta get that right. All I gotta do is I gotta start trusting you at this point. And a lot of us, what we've been doing is we've been living with this divide in our lives and we're saying, man, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I don't know how I'm gonna fill this abyss. I don't know how I'm gonna close this gap. But here's the thing, man, you're standing there with Jesus. You don't have to do anything. All you gotta do is trust that his grace is enough. All you gotta do is trust that the love and the adoration he says that he has for you is real and it's abundant. And that no matter how bad you jack things up, no matter how bad you screw things up, that God is waiting there just to embrace you with love and affection if you'll just turn to him. But a lot of us, we're still trying to work our way there. But this idea of grace is, is trusting that against all odds and all of our past history and, and everything that we've done, that we're loved and we're chosen and we're don't have to get it all together in order to have relationship with God. It's not about the absence of trouble in our life. It's about the presence of God in our life. making contact with something unseen is way bigger and way greater than your wildest imaginations. It's realizing that the, the abyss of the past is no longer holding you back from the future that you have in God. See, the reality is, is that if we live for acceptance and love in our lives, we're gonna be enslaved. But if we live from this idea that God has already accepted us and already loves us, then we live in this place of freedom. And too many of us are living for something rather than from somewhere and rather than from someone and so for us today, we're going to choose which path we'll journey down. Are you going to seek to try to please God by managing your sin, by trying to take care of it yourself? Or are you going to choose to trust God? him to deal with your heart and believe who he says you are. For so many of us, we we have sin in our lives and we think, man, it just makes me a second class. It makes me somebody that God could never love, that God could never accept. But that isn't how God sees you. He doesn't see you as a prodigal or a lost child. Man, God sees you as a son or a daughter. 
He's just waiting for you to recognize that there's nothing that you can do in your life to earn that love and adoration. You just have to trust in it. For so many of you, I wish that I could give you a brand new beginning. But honestly, that's impossible. We all have hurts of the past. We all have things that have happened to us that they can't necessarily be erased. I do believe, though, that your past can be restored. And while you might not be able to have a new beginning in your life, you can have a brand new ending. You know, and there's, there's something they always say, it's not about how you start the race that anybody remembers. It's about how you finish it. And today God wants to help you finish your race. Because there's no one like our God. And there's none like Him. And He can transform your life in the moment that you begin to trust rather than please. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Thank you.